0: Welcome to another episode of ESPN's NBL Podcast. My name's Kane Pittman and alongside me, my esteemed colleague, Olgen Ulich, I've got through the intro. One take what a, Pittman. What a start.
1: One take Pittman One at take it again. One take Pittman at it again, yeah. He,
0: he, he sometimes messes up, but nonetheless, he pushes through. I mentioned last week, Olgs, oh, no basketball, the fever break, I didn't know what to do with my spare time. Basketball was back, we were at a couple of live games, and I think it was as fascinating as what we thought it was going to be I've got the ladder in front of me right now and I think we are in for some genuine chaos
1: Melbourne still looks like Melbourne Southeast Melbourne is what is o- that is that bad um <laughs> it's it's not great Yeah, yeah. it's not bad though mm. but it's not ideal um and it's also not too hopeful right now mm. and I think we saw that in Dean's press conference too but we don't have to talk about them all the time because we talk about them all the time um but yeah Southeast Melbourne looks cool we saw cans look like cans which is apparently like they're a good team new zealand apparently a really good team they just have exceeded all of the expectations we had they made us look stupid
0: they did and the thing i like about Cans specifically adam ford who i would say with most coaches in the league he's about as must watch with his press conferences because i don't think we're Matt Walsh is in here uh, helping us put together this fine podcast. I don't think we're allowed to swear, are we, Walsh? Is that probably not preferred? Two a year. year? I'll just say no BS. There's no BS with 40 in the... uh, He does. He swears from time to time in his press conferences. But I think he's got buy-in. And if you compare the two characteristics of this Cairns team and the New Zealand team, they both seem to have immediate buy-in. And perhaps more importantly, they look like they nailed the imports
1: yeah and that's like the we've noticed that's the key across every team um, especially in a year that I think we mentioned this already it's not a great import year um, across the board I, I don't think relative to some previous years um, but honestly like DJ Hogue is that we knew he was coming in to be the guy offensively turns out he's also the guy defensively hmm. too I'm still not sold on where Tajima McCall fits on this team moving forward and you know where he's most effective I'm sure they'll figure that out but Shannon Scott it looks unreal. There'd be so there are so many teams out there who would love to have Shannon Scott on their team. Um, I think Adam Ford pointed it out at the end of his press conference. He had ten assists, zero turnovers um, in their game, and it's he is so effective. They're, they, I was trying to figure out why we were so low on them because they have obviously exceeded the expectations we thought they would be one of those bottom three teams. Um, obviously, we weren't banking on an MVP sort of season from Keanu Pinder. We did not realize that was going to happen. Uh, We didn't think Sam Wardenberg would come out and make such an impact as a rookie. Um, I think we also just underestimated the talent across the board. A lot of those guys are just really talented. They can shoot the hell out of it, and they guard really, really well.
0: Shannon Scott, so I pulled this up just as you were talking there. So his assist-to-turnover ratio is insane. What is it? Well, he's got 67 assists in the season, 15 turnovers. So he's number one in the league for total assists, but he's also well down the list in terms of uh, total turnovers. Sorry, I actually uh, stole one from him there. He's 14 turnovers, even better. So, yeah, he just doesn't turn the ball over. And I actually... The can started the season relatively well, but I think we still had a watch on him. I think we both discussed, okay, you're playing this crazy up-and-down style. Turnovers were pretty high. And McCall's a, a little bit you know, to blame there. He's He is a high turnover guy, but I also think that it's been unfortunate that he's been asked to play out of his ideal role, which to your point, where does Tajir McCall fit? I think he fits now because of the guys that are around him and because this team actually also plays defense. So that's the key.
1: The key is the defense. They're so switchy, especially in those lineups that has Majuk Deng instead of Sam Wardenberg. Mm. They are so switchy. They can guard any team. And I think that's the key. We didn't think that that would be sustainable, but it looks like it is.
0: Yeah, and then the offensive stuff settled down as soon as Shannon Scott came in to start. Yeah, so they just settle into games. He doesn't make mistakes, and then they've got the shooting. So to your point about the Wartenberg stuff, unintentional segue, which is just beautiful stuff. Team but one. the Pinder Ho combination, four hundred and thirty-two possessions they've played. The defensive rating is ninety-five point one. So so that is that would be the best in the league by a mile if you extended that over you know five-man lineups. That's that's really really good stuff. They are playing defense when those two are on the floor. It's interesting when you look at the lineup of Shannon Scott, Bull Quall, Keanu Pinder, DJ Hoag, and then Wardenberg there. The defensive rating is 111, uh, and that's over 104 possessions. So the defense isn't great, but the offense is absolutely sizzling because the offensive rating is 127. So I'm curious now. Well, first of all, I'm curious why that's the case. So obviously, they're a little bit bigger. One of Hoag or Wardenberg is probably playing out of position, but they can score with anyone, everyone's shooting. It's a great lineup. But I think if you put McCall in there with that lineup, you get the defense and you've still got enough offense. And also, you're not asking Tejia McCall to be the lead ball handler. And then you've got Warnenberg that come off the bench and shoot with Majuk Dang, as you mentioned. They've got a bunch of guys that are coming off and scoring. So I think that McCall actually brings the balance. What you don't want is him needing to be the lead ball handler and running the offense, because that's
1: when it gets a bit chaotic. Yeah, look, the, the only sort of issue I might have with Cairns, um, and, and it's the, the sentiment that I hold, is that a team that is conducive to winning a title is, is deep and plays defense, right? I have questions about their depth. They've been playing a really, really tight rotation the entire season. Um, and I don't know who that next person is that's going to come in. If an injury happens, who comes in? Ben Ayer has given them some really good minutes. Mm -hmm. Joan Antonio has given them spot minutes, but I wonder if he can contribute in a bigger role. I wonder if, Lat Mayan can contribute in a bigger role too. I just wonder what happens if, you know, God forbid, someone like Bull Kowal goes down with with some sort of injury that has him out for a few weeks. You know, who steps up in that role? Um, And, you know, we know Joan Antonio, for example, could shoot in a similar way that Bull Kowal does, but can he guard in the same way that he does? I don't think he can. And so the depth is, is a con- slight concern for me compared to some of the other top-tier teams that we're looking at. But the how rangy they are as a team, the fact that they play with such a, a wide floor on the offensive end. Everyone is just... They play five out. And <laughs> guys are just playing with a ton of confidence. And I think Adam Ford is a, big, is a big reason for that.
0: Fourth in defense, fifth in offense so far. And I don't think many people first of all, as we continue to go through it. I don't think people would have predicted that at the start of the season, but I don't even think people would recognize that now, just watching this team because of the way they score. But they've had to win some games in different ways. They've obviously had some nights where the shots aren't falling, but they've been close enough. Um, so Kent is fascinating. But the fact that they're playing defense, to me, uh, does actually make it look more real and more sustainable than perhaps we fought in the first uh, sort of two to three weeks of the season
1: have you had a look at New Zealand? I mean, I've, I've been watching NBL games. Yes. You sure? Just be broader with your questions.
0: Well, what do you? Well, okay. Listen. Like this,
1: like the country of New Zealand. I don't Come want to Kane. tell you. I don't want to tell Come you what on, to bro.
0: specifically talk about. So I just give you just a lead-in <laughs> to talk about the New Zealand Breakers, and now you're throwing it back at me. So do you want me to ask something specific?
1: Um, no. Look, New Zealand is very cool. <laughs> I've spoken about it the entire time. Um, we underestimated the talent on their team as well. But they can go, you know, 10, 11 deep. Basically, mm. um, they have a ton of creators. Will McDowell White is looking more uncomfortable, more comfortable every single game. The connection he has with Derek Pardon is really, really cool. Derek Pardon rolls so hard, and he knows he's going to get the ball. Um, you look at Isaiah Alfa, and at the end of that Tasmania game, you know, he had those those crazy eyes. But you you need that. This team is playing with this level of confidence. That is unparalleled in this league. Modi Mayo has a, is a big reason for that, for that team too. Um, but again, like you said, it's a lot of it is just nailing the imports, and I think they've nailed their imports. If we look at the standings
0: right now, just on that point about the imports, so Illawarra have had zero luck. We'll get into the Hawks a little bit. They have made a roster change, but zero luck with the imports. Yeah, and maybe zero luck, maybe their own doing. Probably a bit of both, but nonetheless, they haven't got great production from imports. Brisbane have already made an import change. Melbourne has already made an import change. We'll see what happens moving forward with them, and then you've got Adelaide, who's made an import change. So there's your bottom four. It's not—it's ah. not a coincidence. No,
1: not at all. Wow, I didn't realize I was the bottom four.
0: Neither did I. But as I started going <laughs> through it,
1: I realized that it worked. Yeah, and and look, they—they just—it's re- and it's a weird one because imports are. Really, it's it's a volatile scouting system. You don't like Jordan Caroline, for example, was like a a really solid shooter in his previous team. He made an impact at a decent level. Came here, he just this league just wasn't for him. He just couldn't be effective here. And unfortunately, that's just that just happens from time. We've seen that with guys in that position. Um, You know, George King again, like the skill set I really like. I think that skill set could fit on a bunch of teams. Just didn't fit on that team. It's it's a weird it's a volatile system trying to recruit imports.
0: Before we continue, I, I, you spoke about New Zealand, and I just want to get something off my chest. So, the Tasmanian fan throws the clapper onto the court. He's banned for life, I believe. Well, I don't know. It was taken his,
1: his? Oh, I don't, the wording was weird. His membership's been taken away. Yeah. For life, presumably. Also, big ups to to Felix von Hoff for. Uh, playing the apologetics game and trying to say that he, this this fan was so enthusiastic i don't know i think felix his, clapper should have just gone just, in. his clapper just fell on the court because he was so excited for his team
0: defending in the end and felix defending the the throwing of the clapper onto the court <laughs> i don't i don't think he deserves congratulations for that but anyway my, my point <laughs> is that these clappers so this is i'm starting to get into the point in life where sometimes you have old man tacks.
1: I know where you're going with this and And so to me
0: if you give people a children's toy you open up the opportunity for them to act like babies (laughs) okay get rid
1: of the clappers i'm look so we're not we don't work in teams we don't need to drive up you know (laughs) you know fan engagement but anytime i hear an mc person um yell like let's get louder i'm like no i'm just trying to do my job I don't want that. Like Again, I appreciate it. I appreciate their job and what a fan must mm. do in order to, to help a team. But no, stop that.
0: All right. So we're both in agreement there, and you're actually younger than me, so that's even sadder for you. <laughs> that's good for me. You're a grumpy old man, Oggs. I know. All right, let's 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 talk about... Uh, well, actually, let's go to the Illawarra before we move on. So Michael Fraser II, yeah. a familiar name for Australian basketball fans... Not a great run in Perth last year and just an incredibly awkward situation. The most awkward. With John O'Brown, he's there, he's on the bench, he's practicing with the team. Everyone knows that they want <laughs> Michael Fraser to be replaced. There's this hamstring injury. He's on the sidelines. They can't get the contract through, can't get clearance from the club over in Russia. So Michael Fraser's just back for a couple of awkward games. Perth missed the playoffs, but now he's staying in the league. And I think he is genuinely someone people want to see do well. Because I think people felt bad for him last season. But what is going on in Illawarra? Heartbreak on the weekend. The Kings beat them at the buzzer. They can't catch a break. But what what's going on with the
1: Hawks? Well, So, firstly, their luck is horrendous. Mm. Um, it wasn't just the game against the Sydney Kings in which, if you play that a thousand times over, does Tim Conrad miss those two free throws again?
0: Andrew Gaze, by the way, if I can call out Andrew Gaze. Go ahead, do it. Uh, out of all the commentator jinxes I've seen in my time, Tim Conrad goes and hits the first two free throws, and we've got the reverse angle on the broadcast. Nothing but net. Beautiful. Oops. Ice in his veins. Spectacular looking free throws. Tim Conrad's been through it all. He doesn't care about the moment. He's going to knock down the two free throws. He gets back to the line. He only needs to hit one. <laughs> and Gazy has already called out the fact that he is, he is not concerned about this moment. And then you hear Gazy as the free throw comes out of the hand, you hear him go, oh, because, it, <laughs> because it's off. And he misses the first one. Then he misses the second one and Brucey wins the game. So Gazy, a veteran caller, <laughs> legendary basketball figure. That was an all-time jinx. Bad. Very bad.
1: Um, look, again, played a thousand times over. Tim Conrad is not missing those two free throws. And then Sean Bruce isn't hitting a tough... Shot in the corner with his feet just behind the line. Was KD like
0: foot on the line? Was it on the line? Was it not?
1: I, like I don't think it was. I don't think either. Yeah. Um, lucky he wears whatever size shoes he wears as Short, opposed to KD. It's it's he
0: smaller feet than KD, I would imagine. This is correct.
1: Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen again. And they've just, so they've just had the worst luck. Uh, that the game against Melbourne, they went to double overtime. XRM hitting some wild shots as well. <laughs> like they've they've had games just in their hands that they've just lost for. Reasons that are almost outside of their control, just, like, absurd moments. Um, and then put on top of that the injuries that they've had to go through. First, Justin Robinson, Daniel Greeter, they've just not had a great run here. And now Peyton Seaver has a calf issue. It's just not great. Um, but it it also doesn't help when... And so I feel horrible for, you know, Jacob Jacobus, who, first-year head coach, really good head coach, but just doesn't have the pieces in front of him to be effective at his job I think I feel bad for the players as well who just who are obviously trying their best and it's just not working out but they've just been put in a horrible situation from their management when it comes to put aside the commercial issues that they're going through where they they can't get sponsors they can they're getting 2,000 people in the stands on a weeknight it that you know those are bad numbers right and just demonstrably so but you know this George King issue they've been trying to get rid of George King they'd been trying for weeks to get rid of him there was you know a settlement going on the you know, negotiations and who gets paid what and George King had to find another team in order to complete that settlement and he just couldn't do that and so all of a sudden he's injured which no one around the league believes that he's actually injured um and so the the i guess the most embarrassing thing is that people around the league don't really care about calling it out or anything like that, because it's just the Hawks. Like, let them just let them, let them do it. Let them just get their player, right? And there is also a, an element of, you know, you avoid a cap hit by doing that too. But again, people around the league just don't care enough to call that out. But also, like, they had the chance to bring back a lot of their local talent. They chose not to do that. And we knew coming in that they were going to just be a really horrific offensive team because of the talent they didn't bring back. They couldn't lock in their imports. They got given a, a horrific budget to work with. There's just, just a ton of mismanagement there, um, and they're 1-9 for a reason.
0: Yeah, and those results, like the weekends, like the game against Melbourne, that's why they hurt, because it's, it's tough to see where the wins are coming from as the season continues to roll on. Just quickly on that point you made about uh, King needing to find another club. So, as has been reported a little bit, uh, Jordan Caroline and Marcus Lee organising a very, very nice work from
1: the agent to organise
0: organize a little Spanish-Australian trade <laughs> yeah. opening up the trade market between those two countries so that's part of that with Jordan Caroline as well
1: well so like Jordan Caroline we knew for a long time that yeah. he was gone but in order to do that they there are a lot of elements that, that player generally needs to find a new team and so in this case it ended up being Jordan Caroline and Marcus Lee just switching at Manresa um, so Jordan Caroline went there Marcus Lee came to Melbourne great mm-hmm. Um, there's also an element of you need your roster to be full. And so you avoid, by, by just holding on the player until you get that sorted, you avoid having to bring up a DP or anything like that because then you're going to have to eventually drop that DP. It's what Brisbane's going through right now where they've, bring, they've brought up Luol Ding. Mm. They're going to put him back down once they get a new import, which I'm told they're not close to yet. They've been talking to some names. I was told James Johnson was a name that was brought up again. I'm told Andre Roberson is someone who they're having discussions with, but they've been floating out offers to people recently, and so I'm under the impression they're not close to getting anyone. So you know, there's there's a whole workaround. There's there's a lot you have to do in order to get rid of an import and then bring one in. Um, so that's why it, it takes a lot longer than than people think. So
0: speaking of teams that are looking for an import and maybe aren't necessarily that close to it, right? As of today, as we're recording this podcast, Adelaide. Last week, I was pretty optimistic. Yeah, you know, obviously they move on from Craig Randall, but I was feeling pretty good about the outlook for Adelaide with what they could do on both sides of the floor. To be clear, we discussed the Kai Soto stuff. You know, should he start? Yeah, you know, who knows? Or do? Or what type of player do they look for with the replacement? Is it a defensive big, as you potentially suggested? Is it a, a guard to replace Craig Randall? But they split the games. One against Melbourne. One against New Zealand. Not exactly two offensive juggernauts, but I thought that we actually saw an Adelaide team, and you include Sunday Detch comes into the rotation, Anthony Drimmick comes into the uh, rotation, Hiram Harris had some good minutes, Galloway had some good minutes, and you just were inserting guys they really looked like they cared. And I'm not saying that they didn't care before, but all of a sudden everyone was engaged defensively. This this was a uh, couple of the first times this season where I've seen a team that looked like they were having a crack defensively.
1: There was such an obvious buy-in this week from that team. Um, we saw it on both ends. We saw the ball movement going from side to side. They looked like there was McCarran. intent. It's a McCarron factor. Put it, the ball in his hand. It's, uh, and it's just obviously a McCarran factor, right? Um, and then it's also like Anthony Drumick, you know, being super aggressive, being decisive about, you know, when he's going to shoot the ball, when he's going to drive it. Um, There was, at least from the second half of that game against Melbourne, and then going into that game against New Zealand, it was, there was like an intent to get the ball to Robert Franks as well, Mm -hmm. which we had been calling for this entire time. He's obviously their best offensive weapon. He can be super efficient when you throw it in, uh, down to him in the low block. And he draws just a ton of attention. And so you know why weren't they doing that a lot before? Obviously, because they had Craig Randall, and Craig Randall needs his shots. Um, but we just saw we saw how effective they can be, and then that translated to the defensive end, where we saw I think the most glimpses of a team that is at the very least functional defensively. Uh, they are statistically the worst defensive team in the league, um, and they look like they made some strides. Um, I know, and you pointed out this, you pointed this out to me this morning. Um, I may need to make a correction on a Daniel Johnson tweet I did, because the NBLs, I tweeted that he played like 13 and a half minutes, which it felt like it, but the stats have been weird across different sorts of apps. But he played a very low amount of minutes, and I think that is there is a corollary between his lack of minutes uh, and the way Adelaide played defensively. I think that's like, and, and that's Galloway's minutes picking up as well, and it's Hiram Harris's minutes picking up too.
0: Yep, quality control. I'll add that to the LinkedIn skills. <laughs> Thank you, Kane. Once we're done with this podcast, but yeah, no, it, it was interesting with that game as well because yeah, Hiram Harris comes in. Galloway obviously was scoring the ball really well. I had to think he had mm-hmm. ten points in the first quarter. Had a really good stretch. Shot it well too. Shot it well. Uh, but there was no Kai Soto because of Visa stuff. Very weird. Uh, that is just a very weird situation. But yeah. Robert Franks, 20 points per game without Randall. Uh, he was at around 13 with Randall. And the other stat is Mitch McCarran. If you look at his usage rate on the season, it's at around 15%. You're talking about guys like Sean McDonald, Ruben Tarangi, uh, Todd Blanchfield, these types of players, not guys that are, are running an offense. So no one expects that McCarran's going to be out there. Everyone talks about the aggressive scoring but it's just getting into the offense. And yeah. it's not just picking up the ball at the logo and saying, all right, let's do a few crossover moves and jack up a long three while everyone stands around and watches. And it's just a theory. I don't know if this is true. The guys in the locker room would be able to answer this. But I just think when you start to get everyone involved offensively, everyone's getting shots, everyone's getting touches, they're going to be more willing to want to play defense.
1: Yeah, and, and you say it's it's not the scoring, and it's not. And it, this looks as close to you know a Melbourne United McCarran as we've seen in a little bit. Because the whole idea the reason why he was so effective is because he's the best glue guy he's such a good connector um, and so if he is a leader and a connector with a really talented team around him, he can be really effective and that team can win games and then he's a really good anchor defensively too they don't really they don't have that defensive anchor at the five spot so I feel like it's him that's that's driving the energy and, and driving the communication there um he is you can see also he's playing with like a different level of like flow he seems like he's playing with like more intent, more like happiness, mm. and like, I appreciate that.
0: Catching up with CJ Bruton at some point over the next couple of days, I'm going to write about Adelaide because I just think it's fascinating. This it feels like a different team and it feels mm. like the identity has changed. So first plug of the show, go to ESPN.com.au to keep up with all the news. And by the way, I should have said this earlier, and I, I messed it up last week with Craig Hutchison who was on the jump. When we we're talking about Perth, and I've messed it up again. Hopefully, the Cairns fans are still listening. But Adam Ford is going to be on the jump this week, 8:30 PM on ESPN. Make sure you check that out. I've said 40 is fascinating to listen to, so he's going to be catching up. Uh, I believe Gazy and Copes are going to be trying to get some some stuff out of 40 and just ask what's going on in Cairns because they're playing really good basketball. Uh, I want to talk about Ben Simmons before we wrap this up, but just quickly, Sydney. The depth of Sydney is something that. I don't think we need to talk a lot about Sydney. They beat Cairns in the, uh, Sorry, they beat Illawarra in a game that uh, probably wasn't their most impressive performance, but there was yeah. no Xavier Cooks. And it just stood out to me that late in the game, the Kings went on a run in the third quarter and then in the fourth quarter. You're talking about Angus Glover, uh, Geordie Hunter, Sean Bruce obviously hits the game winner, but Wiley Bales is playing really important minutes. Jalen Galloway. Just so deep. They are so deep and, and Buford trusts them all all the way down the roster. He's got no problem if his imports aren't playing well. Say, fine, sit on the bench in the fourth quarter because I'm going to bring in these local guys that have been there, played in big moments last year. The trust is, is just
1: huge. And swear that that continuity is just unbelievably important where you've had Bwiley Bales who's been around that that organization for a little bit. Jalen Galloway is the same. Angus Glover is the same. Sean Bruce is the same. Jordy Hunt. So These guys have been around. And so, all of a sudden, a starter or two goes down. These guys can step in because they know the system. They've been They've been practicing in this the entire time. We saw it in Tasmania, actually. You know, Sean McDonald's given them really big minutes. He can step in and do that just because he's been around that that organisation for its limited amount of time. But he's there, and so I think Sydney has that too. And so the depth isn't just about having that talent that goes that goes deep, but it's also just having that continuity of, of guys who clearly know the system. They know how Chase wants them to play, um, and it's paying off. They can, you know, they they stole a win because of that.
0: They're three and two at home. Two of them have come on buzzer beaters. I'm trying to think <laughs> what the other win was. It was Cairns, I think, which was also a close game. I yeah. think
1: there was there was a Cairns game where Cairns looked like they had it, and yep. then uh, I forget. Oh, that was be- the
0: buzzer beater, actually. So I'm not sure what the oh. third win was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they're three and two true. at home. We know they don't lose on the road. They're five and zero on the road. So <laughs> the home stuff. You know, Buford joked about it after the game and said, "I wish we didn't need these wake up calls at home." Yep. Yeah. They. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They get these huge crowds. Maybe it's the pressure of Paul Smith going crazy on the sideline. What do you think? <laughs> Is that it? A-
1: I mean, I, I do <laughs> wonder having Paul Smith and Chris Pongrass sitting in a really visible spot, completely like, opposite to your bench. I wonder if that affects you in a good or bad way. I wonder if you want to like show out for your bosses. Or maybe it's just like, oh no, the bosses are watching. What do we do? I don't know.
0: Well, Brucey was shot that ball close enough to Paul that he would have been able to smell Paul's breath <laughs> as the shot was getting up. So that's uh, that's some pressure in front of the boss right there. Uh, ben Simmons, what have we seen? He's back. He's back, baby. We're calling it.
1: Uh, he's not. I don't think he's completely back. Yeah, there's still like a, a athletic. He's still diminished athletically, I think. Hmm. But he has made like clearly big strides. Because um, look, he was coming off. Put aside you know the, the mental health stuff was important and he still needed to get back in that that aspect but the back the back issue is one that's very tough to, to come back from um, and so he had to work off that rust he had to work his be- work his way back in and he had a knee injury so it's like he's just still trying to get right um, but he's looking as sort of dynamic as he has this well, like since we saw him in Philly and it's coming in a good in a good spot because he's about to go back to Philly and I cannot wait.
0: It's going to be fascinating because this is the ultimate test for Ben Simmons. And yeah. you have accused me in the past of being a, a bit critical of Ben in recent years, but I yeah, think it's flipped. I only say that because of the evidence that's in front of me. Well, sometimes we ignore the evidence. <laughs> but but overall, I think I've flipped. And I've been saying all season, look at different examples around the league of guys that have had an extended period of time off, give Ben Simmons time. And let's be honest, this is not exactly a perfect working environment with everything that's been going on in Brooklyn but to your point about the physicality I thought we saw signs against the Sacramento Kings where he actually seemed to be seeking out that contact and finishing a couple of times through contact as well. But 48 points over the last three games, but it's where the shots have been coming. 16 for 16 in the restricted area. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 100% efficiency in the restricted area is not sustainable, <laughs> but it's the frequency of where the shots are coming from. So this, to me, tells you that he hasn't been as aggressive as what he's been in the past. So his last season in Philly, 65% of his shots came at the rim. This year, that's down at 53 and we know that he's not shooting threes. So what's happened? The mid-range has gone from 34% frequency in Philly up to 47 So that's where it uh, swaps. So instead of getting to the rim, he's been pulling up for those paint Just floater area, which is not... That's not exactly where the best touch is for Ben Simmons he's at his best when he's saying I'm too big I'm too strong I'm going to put my shoulder into you and finish over you and I think we've started to see that again
1: and the reason why big reason why he's able to do that though um, and I don't want to blame Steve Nash for it but these lineups he's in are way more conducive to him being effective out there than the ones he was in prior to Steve Nash being fired or, or like leaving the team, right? He was playing with Nick Claxton a lot. Mm. Like, what are you doing, putting Ben well, Simmons Claxton didn't play yesterday. Good point. Well, like, why are you putting Ben Simmons next to a, a rim-running big who just wants to be in the paint, right? That that's just that doesn't work. We've seen Ben Simmons a lot at the five, and you're just putting a ton of shooters around him, and that's what we wanted coming in. We wanted him with uh, with Kyrie and and Seth Curry and Joe Harris and KD, and just him running the floor, him pushing it, and these guys just stretching it. And he can he has so much room to operate. And if they collapse on him, he's got shoes to kick out to. Um, there's a, they lose a little bit defensively with some of those lineups. but now that you have Watanabe playing super well, you know you you can have big long guys out there who can also shoot the ball. and you know as we'd mentioned, we mentioned and started his NBA career with Brett Brown saying he's our point guard, he's a center in 2022 and for this team that is the most that is his most effective position.
0: It's going to be fun. Uh, the Nets in Philly. Unfortunately, no James Harden, no Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers. No They're Joel Embiid either. No Joel Embiid. Uh, probably should have got thrown out for, against the, the Bucks the other day, by the way. But
1: we don't we don't do Bucks propaganda on this podcast, Kane. That's for okay. your other podcast.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> I thought Ben, by the way, in the press conference handled it very well. The reporter asked him, "Has it been long enough since you were in Philly?" And the face that he gave, uh, gave is going to be a meme forever. It was excellent stuff. <laughs> it was like a like what? But he's joking yeah. about it. Which, which is, is great. G- which is he wouldn't have done that, I feel like, even a month ago. That's a leap. That's a big leap. It's good to see. It's good for the Nets. It's good for Australian basketball. It's good for the World Cup, which is coming up in under a year now. So there's uh, there's plenty of reasons to be excited about what we've what we've seen from Ben Simmons in Brooklyn. This Thursday night, you were about to say something, but this Thursday night, Perth, Adelaide, two teams we've discussed, two teams that have had... we trying to figure out who they are. It's going to be interesting on ESPN 9:30 p.m. Thursday night.
1: Perth has looked good. Brady Manick is playing with all the confidence in the world right now. Um, he's also like a, a 40% three-point shooter in the NBL on like five and a half attempts a game. He is shooting it very well. Mm. So anyone who says that he is not playing well, like he, he's producing offensively. Defensively, he's still got some issues and things to work on. But you know he's he's being effective for that team.
0: Not 100% sure if we've gone long here, but it feels like we've gone long. So let's uh, wrap it up and being told no. So just uh, we know how to time out a
1: podcast. Any final thoughts? Um, Just a shout out to Isaac Humphreys, mm-hmm. my boy, who this week or last week came out as the only active openly gay uh, player in a top-tier men's league. I got through that. It's just it's a, a weird. It's just a weird sentence it's to say. It's easier
0: to write than it is to say.
1: That is correct. But but prior to him coming out, there were no actively gay yep. um, players in the top tier men's league. So now he's the only one. He came out to his teammates, and that video has gone everywhere. Um, you know, Melbourne United really embraced him. Southeast Melbourne did a really cool gesture of wearing, uh, you know, a rainbow rainbow emblem on their on their shirts. So shout out to him. That was really cool. And he's going to help a lot of people.
0: Uh, just a classy guy and every time I've spoke to him over the years I've walked away thinking that he is so impressive with the way he presents himself and he's done the exact same over the course of the last week I mentioned he was on um, TV last night on the project and I watched that interview and he's just he, he speaks so well and he's going to be a great ambassador moving forward as well as hopefully the point that i first thought of hopefully for himself he, he's able to be free and be himself which is again the bottom bar for anyone that you care about
1: yeah Look, i'm i've known isaac since he was 13 years old we went to school together he is very happy he's right now he's the happiest i've ever seen him um and he's got his own stories to tell but the outreach that has come his way thus far of people who he's already helped even you know indirectly uh it, that has made just that decision worth it and we know that there's so many more people out there that he will be able to help and hopefully he can do that in a really widespread way
0: well i'm also very happy as well until gazy finds out that i've potted him on this podcast so we'll wait for the <laughs> reaction from that but let's wrap it up we'll be back next tuesday in this uh fine studio we've got here at uh in the disney building in richmond and we'll be talking MBL and we'll see it's going to be another interesting week augs I'll see you at an arena, I'm sure, this weekend. Of course. Bye, Kane.